All right, everybody, welcome back to the Robin Stew Show here on the Pulse Sports Network. Like and subscribe, hit us up. Those YouTube numbers keep going up, so we appreciate you. It's NFL draft season, and Roberto, you're bringing somebody to the table who knows a little something about the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. want to welcome on my man Justin Hickton of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. I've been, I was on Draft Breakdown originally, always on the site. Uh, been an NFL draft addict for a long time, and he does an amazing show. Uh, I, I listen, you know, to almost every episode. And uh, J- Justin, welcome to the Robin Sue Show. Thanks for having me on, guys. I I love talking draft, obviously. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, you get three sickos on a podcast who just <laughs> live and die with college football, and you know, listen. Just, I mean, Justin, Stu's a Lions he's got fan, a book. So. He's got a book. He's making a book. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, like I called yeah. him last weekend. My, my wife was, laughs hysterical. She's like, really? This is what, this, seven, this is what you do. 715 in the morning on a Sunday. Hey, what are you doing? I'm just looking at a little Northwestern Nebraska film, you know, <laughs> gotta love breaking it. it down. Yeah. Real yeah, sick of stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, we'll get into well, you guys this. You got two first round picks this year. So again, yeah, let's see. excitement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sitting at 10 with that pick. I mean, Roseman likes to move around, so I don't really know if he's going to stick there at 10. But the and even Stu's Lions, two first-round picks. I mean, it's oh, it's, it's going to be an interesting draft. It's, you know, uh, obviously to start it off here, I mean, all the buzz now seems to be Bryce Young is going one. Uh, we'll, we'll break down the positions here. How do you see the quarterback, your top three quarterbacks in this draft? So I really, uh, you know, I'm an Ohio State grad, so I'll I'll give that disclaimer because, you know, in case people want to think I'm a homer, that's a joke that we do on our show. I'm always, uh, you know, referred to as an Ohio State homer, but I actually really think C.J. Stroud's the real deal, uh, and I think he's the best quarterback in this draft in terms of, to me, he's a like a high floor guy. He might not have the highest ceiling. I think the highest ceiling is probably Anthony Richardson. But Bryce, I mean, but uh, CJ Stroud to me is is a safe. I think he's solidly going to be a good NFL starting quarterback. Now, um, some of the comparisons that you'll see, I, I've seen people compare him to Jared Goff, and um, I think a good comparison might be Alex Smith. So you might not, again, you're not going to maybe have the highest ceiling, but it's a good, it's a pretty, you know, decent quarterback class, and I think he's kind of the safest guy uh, after him. That's where I would probably take the big home run swing and go for Richardson because he's so unique as an athlete. Um, He kind of reminds me of Vince Young coming out of college. I think Vince Young is maybe a little bit more polished as a passer, had more starts under his belt in college, but I see a lot of Cam Newton comps and I don't, I don't see that as the comparison for Richardson. I think he's um, a little faster than that. And he's, you know, obviously he's one of the most, uh, his combine was the best combine of any quarterback of all time. The thing is he's, he's really boom or bust. Uh, And then after that, I think then you probably go with Bryce Young, but I really have, I just think he's so small and the, there are NFL people. They think they can get him into a nutritional program and bulk him up, but uh, he's not like the other short quarterbacks that we've seen like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, uh, Baker Mayfield, he's because he, th- those guys were all squattier and stockier, more muscular than, than Bryce Young. So I just kind of have some skepticism 
He's a really good passer. I don't think he has the best arm, but he's got a good enough arm. And there's no doubt he's like a magician back there behind the, the line of scrimmage. It's He's got a really good sense of when things are closing in around him and he's able to get out and make plays. But he's going to have some of the issues that we see all the short quarterbacks have. And eventually, you know, with guys like Baker, uh, it, it kind of caught up with him to the point where he wasn't an effective starter in Cleveland. Kyler Murray, I think we saw him struggle some this year. Russell Wilson was great for a long time, but we saw him struggle a lot last year too. So just kind of have my concerns about the height. Uh, 5'10 is, is very short for an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he's very small. He really is. But there's there's no like, way I would trade up that much to draft a guy that small. I'd either go with the the more comfortable guy like Stroud or the uh, home run pick with Richardson. It's funny how the draft process works. It, feel, it felt like after they had moved up, all the momentum was it's going to be Shroud, Shroud. It's going to be Shroud. You know, that there's no doubt about it. You know, Frank Wright wants a quarterback with size. You know, he had a big influence in getting Wentz to Philadelphia when he went and worked him out. Um, you know, it, it just seemed like Shroud was a lock there. And it's so funny, like all of a sudden in the last two weeks, I've noticed it just seems like Young has surpassed him as – you know, that's going to be their guy now. And I was shocked today in sports books. Stroud has went. Will Levis is favored to go for Stroud now, even at pick yep. number four. You see a lot of buzz that the Texans won't take Stroud. Um, you know, watching Stroud a lot, I, I think there's some throws that Stroud makes that really just impress you at times. I mean, there was a throw two years ago. It was, it's a specific game, but it was versus Indiana. He made a throw between – the cornerback and the safety, and there was a linebacker floating there in the middle of the field, I thought was unbelievable touch pass. Like, you know, you see that in Stroud's game. The touch passes are just – they're really phenomenal at times. I, I honestly think a lot of scouts are nervous of Ohio State's offense and the quarterbacks transitioning because obviously the plays come from the sidelines. It's a little bit of a different style, but – you know, it is amazing that Strouds just seemed like a lock two weeks ago. And now it's like this guy's falling down boards. And, you know, I listen to a lot of different podcasts. I, I don't know, you know, you're an Ohio State guy. I've heard in different podcasts that Stroud doesn't really wow people in the meetings. I, I don't know if you've heard that, but I've heard that on a couple of different shows that he hasn't blown away people in the in-person interviews. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, there was a there's a test, a cognitive test they're using now called S two, that where apparently he didn't score as highly as some of the other guys, but he still had a a pretty good score. Um, I'm not sure what the issue is in the team meetings if it's a if it's a whiteboard thing or if it's a personality thing. He is a very stoic personality. He's not a raw rock guy. Uh, he's not a, an electric personality. And so you're probably seeing, you know, you know, you got Will Levis out here putting mayo in his coffee and <laughs> eating uh, bananas with the peels on. And he's got a, a kind of a cult of personality around him. He's got like a big TikTok following. Richardson, obviously, he's a charismatic guy. Bryce Young, uh, kind of similar, um, although he's a little bit more business than, uh, you know, some of the other guys, but uh, not quite to Stroud's level where he's almost like a football robot. So that could be a turnoff, I think, for some for some teams. Yeah, it's interesting how that works. I mean, I'm a big Levis fan. I, I think Levis is a top three quarterback. 
Stu has attacked me, you know, just wrote me nasty text messages out of the middle of nowhere, how much Levis stinks and <laughs> how much I'm wrong. But I really like Levis. I love his arm. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just a fan of his. Richardson, like everybody says, you know, he's got that kind of upside. He had the Utah game last year, which I was blown away with. I thought he was phenomenal in there, but he's got some atrocious tape too. I mean, he's he does. got some, you know, he's got some ups and downs himself and, You've got about a three-year uh, yeah. age difference, though, too, between him and Levis. He uh, Richardson's just turned 21. Levis going to be 24 in June. So that's one of the things I factor in when I'm uh, sussing these guys out. You're 100% right. You know, I, I never really, early on in, in me getting into this draft, this whole thing, I never really put much thought into that. And you are you hit the nail on the head because you hear so many of these scouts talk in the offseason when they – you know, they'll do shows or they'll do interviews or even GMs. And I never realized that, but age really does factor in with these guys. And it, it makes sense, you know, that yeah. they don't want some, you know, it, obviously somebody at that age doesn't usually go that high, but quarterbacks, the, the NFL is wild. I mean, quarterbacks just, I, I don't know what it is, but it's just, obviously it's one of those positions. It's the main position um, that teams just get crazy. I mean, the EJ manuals, the Blake Bortles, the, uh, it's crazy the way we've the, seen older guys go in the first round. Think Brandon Whedon was a yeah, person. Brandon Whedon, I mean, yeah, against yeah, all logic, yeah. against all understanding, it's it still blows me away. But um, I think the idea behind it is you've got an old, you know, a fully grown man playing football against some teenagers, and then you wonder how, especially in football where careers tend to be shorter. I know quarterbacks, if they're good, they're going to be around for a long time, but um, you wonder how close to the ceiling they are when they're 24 years old as opposed yeah and it and I don't know if that's the right way to go about it because you, you're doing a lot of projecting but that's what we that's what we do with draft stuff yeah that's what it is you know you're projecting what they're going to be in three to four years right it's not I don't that's how I always try to look at it like you're not you know if you want to go just straight by production you know like to me being an Eagle fan I think the Eagles have gotten in trouble a little bit when they do that like that's where they got like a Derek Barnett you know guys that just they were such great performers in college but then they get to the NFL and they're kind of maxed out right like that's going to be their best is what they already shown and they're average players you know he wasn't really like worth the first round pick in my opinion he's just been a guy you know he's just been a guy but anyways the quarterback position is always interesting but We'll, we'll move the defense here a little bit. We'll go back to offense um, a little bit later in the show. But Jalen Carter is like the biggest factor to me in this draft. Um, he's my draft crush. I, I would kill to get the guy at 10. I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen. He's going to go before 10. Uh, what is your thoughts here on these defensive ends? And, you know, Carter, obviously the defensive tackle, but everybody's number one pretty much unanimously number one player in this draft, Jalen Carter. So you probably have heard me talk about Jalen Carter on uh, the original draft breakdown podcast. And so, you know, that mm -hmm. I'm not the biggest cheerleader for this guy. And it's, it has to do with a number of factors uh, for one. He, it, there was a lot made about him being kind of out of shape at his pro day. And um, that isn't even to me, that wasn't even a, a big concern because it wasn't a surprise Be, because I keep going back to that Ohio state playoff game where the camera kept cutting to him on the sideline down on a knee where, while Ohio state was busy scoring over 40 points against his vaunted Georgia defense with this player who 
you know, many of the, what, what I call big draft, you know, the guys at ESPN, um, the Matt Millers of the world, the Dane Brewers, these guys were telling us all year long, he's the number one player in the draft. He's He was in the number one spot in mock drafts all year long. And to see him on a knee and, and um, you know, to go into, to dig a little deeper and go into the snap counts, um, people were saying, well, Georgia has a great rotation of all these defensive linemen. That's okay. That's fine. But in that game, you could see he was tired. You could see he was tired. And, he, he, and I'm not saying he was out of shape. I just think that's the nature of the position. These guys are huge. They're asked to carry a lot of weight. Um, they're doing battle with other huge guys. But you contrast it with offensive line where no team has a rotation of offensive linemen. These are big guys who play 100% of the snaps. That doesn't happen on defense. Um so you have uh, what you have is a track record of getting tired, having to come out of games. And then you've got a position that to me isn't as high of a value because um, even in the NFL, you see rookies at that position. Look at his teammate, Jordan Davis. He he uh, was a rookie this past year. He played a low percentage of snaps. You know, I thought he was a good pick, but I knew that it was going to take some time for him to come along. And even at their peak, these defensive tackles play about 60. These really big guys like this play about 60, 65 percent at their peak. Uh, so to me, the positional value is not there to have him drafted that early. Um, the off the field stuff. Yet he was part of that drag racing incident with Georgia. Tragic. I think they've determined that he wasn't at fault there. Um, and I think. You know, when that when that story broke at the combine, he did the right thing. He went and checked in, turned himself in, dealt with it, came back. He's answering questions as far as I know about that. So I don't think that's going to hold him back. I think it's going to be the uh, – I think that might hold him back with some teams. So there's a possibility he falls uh, into the top 10, top 15. But I'll tell you, I never thought – I never bought that he was going number one um, because the last time a a defensive tackle went number one, was 1994 and the guy named uh the guy was named big daddy dan wilkinson of course from the ohio state university had a pretty good career he was an athletic freak too um but we didn't get to see carter was built as an athletic freak we didn't get to see it because he didn't test he came to his pro day and was, he was tired so um that's th that's my take on him i just um, i've never been that, as high on him is he still the best defensive tackle in the draft? I think we're doing a lot of projecting there as well because he just doesn't – he's never been a big sack guy. I think what you're looking at – you look at what Quinn and Williams did this year for the Jets, and it took him, you know, into year four to really give you that bang for the buck. I think that's kind of what you're going to get with Carter. I think he's a good player. I really think he's, he's a very strong. Uh, he's quick off the ball. He's all those things that you like, but I think for the factors I, that I said is why I wouldn't take him that early. Now at 10, yeah, we could probably be talking about him there. So yeah, well, Justin, that's, you know, Justin, if, yeah. if if you're not big on Jalen Carter, so I, I imagine that it boils down to Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson as being your top defensive guy. Who is it? And and what's what's the differential between the two? Because I know a lot of folks will talk about Will Anderson junior year versus senior year. Uh, the tape's just different. And then Tyree Wilson. I mean, you're playing at Texas Tech. Who are you going up against? We yeah. got the broken foot. Right. 
what what to you from watching the tape? Who do you like more? It, it's for me, it's Will Anderson, and it's always been Will Anderson because, uh, and and I think he's not quite the athlete that maybe we thought he was going to be. Um, he's not Vaughn Miller as an athlete, but he's a little bigger. He came in at two over two fifty at the combine, ran a four six. So I think he's more similar to. Uh, he's probably, you know, not the guy we thought he was going to be after the junior year. But the senior year was still double digit sacks, double digit tackles for loss, um, and, and he was drawing all this attention because of the year he had um, as a sophomore, where people, the same people that are now dropping him down in their rankings, had said he would have been the top pick last year, right? Um, so I, I don't think he, to me, he didn't fall off enough to fall out of that that lofty status. He's probably more similar athletically to like Kayvon Thibodeau who went, I think, fifth overall last year, flashed as a rookie, wasn't wasn't outstanding. But I think the difference, what makes him better than Thibodeau is I think he has a better array of pass rush moves. And then you also saw that, um, especially the sophomore year tape, you saw him play very well against the run. So to me, he if you're taking a non-quarterback, to me, he's still the best player. It's surprising to me to hear that Arizona picking third is not does doesn't feel like he might not they feel like he might not be a scheme fit for Jonathan Gannon's defense, which is odd to me because I would have thought, you know, he's he could be look what Hassan Reddick did and Anderson's um, maybe not quite as fast, but he's bigger and he's got a track record as a good pass rusher. So I was kind of surprised to hear that um, and that they might trade that they're looking to trade out of that spot. But I think if he, there's no way to me that Will Anderson gets past Seattle if they're still at five. Well, first off, Gannon belongs in prison for costing us a Super Bowl. Zoom, he's horrific zoom, defensive play zoom, calls. Zoom, <laughs> zoom, zoom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, you're you're not lying though. It it is wild to see that. You know, it's so funny how you hear these scouts and you hear these different things that. There's only 15 round one grades, right, on this yep. draft. Like you've heard a lot. Of, I've heard a lot of people say that, or it's not a stellar draft. And it is interesting to see a team like Arizona, where you'd want to get talent anywhere, you have a chance to get a Will Anderson, and you know you might pass on him, or you know you want somebody to trade up and get him. Um, it sounds like now he has a good shot to go into the Texans. I don't know. It seems like the Nico Ryan's. A lot of things, if he's fell in love with him, he wants him to be the leader of that defense. Maybe they're going to pass on Stroud. I, I think that would be stupid if they passed on Stroud. You know, I think, I think a there's a lot of jockeying going on, right? I, I think yeah. if uh, if Carolina moved up to one to get Stroud, and then hears that the Texans were never going to take Stroud for whatever reason. Some say it's because of uh, he has the same agent as Deshaun Watson. And others, uh, You know, we saw NFL beat reporter John McClain say that they don't they don't care about that that's not a factor but so let's say you know uh Carolina trade up to get Stroud and then feels like oh Houston really wants Bryce Young maybe we can get Houston to trade up to one and we still get our guy or you know maybe um Houston's saying they don't want a quarterback at two so that that people will back off you know that that Carolina will stop harassing them to, to try and trade up or something like that. So I think there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's going on still. I think Arizona might be saying, yeah, I think Arizona legitimately wants to trade back. You know, I think that what we're hearing from out of there is, is the truth. Um, and I think that they probably prefer for, I don't know why, but they, I think they prefer Tyree Wilson 
over uh, Anderson for their scheme, or they would like one of the top corners. Yeah, which is, I mean, it, it, it we'll transition a little bit to the cornerbacks here. Um, your top three corners, because um, I, I tell you what, this to me seems like a very top-heavy cornerback class, in my opinion. I mean, I, I absolutely love Christian Gonzalez. I don't know your thoughts on him. Stu fights with me all the time. I have Gonzalez as quarterback, yeah, cornerback one. Um, I, I'm a Witherspoon fan. I do like Witherspoon. I just don't know. Here's here's my biggest question with Big Ten cornerbacks. The wide receiver play in the Big Ten, to me, the quarterback play is atrocious. I mean, if it's not Stroud, half the half the other league, the quarterbacks don't even belong. Maybe that's because I watch Rutgers or go to Rutgers games on a weekly basis. But I don't know. Big Ten cornerbacks, like, I, I'm not going to bring up his name because Stu's going to start yelling and throwing things, Jeffrey Okuda. But, you know, these cornerbacks in the anyway. Big Ten, they scare me. So, um, yeah, one thing I'll say about the Big Ten quarterbacks is I was watching uh, tight ends this past weekend, and and that was one thing I was, I was watching Sam Laporta from Iowa, and it was just incredible how he had to make an adjustment to every single pass. Like every pass was behind him, low or low and behind him. And so you get a lot of, you know, if you watch Iowa, you get a lot of good Sam Laporta adjusting to poorly thrown balls. Um, but it, with the corners, I, you know, Stu, do you not like Christian Gonzalez? Oh, no, I have no problem with him. Okay. I, I'm against in principle. Give, give him your theory. Give him your theory. My whole thing is you, and you mentioned it, Justin, that when you have a top five pick, a top six pick, top seven pick, you try to go for value. And I yeah. don't believe cornerback is a value position. So mm -hmm. sans that there isn't a, a D lineman, an offensive lineman, a quarterback that is worth taking. Okay, sure, maybe if if you really if you have a that high of a grade on a corner, sure, but you can't take them at a certain point. It's just a, a lose lose situation. Personally, if I was running a team, there would be a mandate, no cornerbacks lower than 10. Yeah, I mean, it's you make an interesting point. I know PFF has tried to, to sell that uh, that pass coverage is more valuable than pass rush. That's not something I agree with. Um, and corners, I think it's probably the hardest position on the field to play in that you, um, you can't... Especially in the NFL, just Yeah, you can't... Uh, you, you're not allowed to have a bad day as a corner. You know, the whole the fan base will turn on you. Uh, the coaching staff might turn. Your own teammates might yell at you. Um, I think that I think the team is more understanding of mistakes, more forgiving than the fan base, certainly. But uh, corner is a tough one because you just can't have an off day. You have an off day as a pass rusher. No sweat. You get two sacks next week. You have an off day as a corner. It's not like you get. Uh, guys getting a ton of interceptions you know a lot of it's in the in the past breakups or in just the balls that aren't even thrown their way because they're covering well but I like I do like Gonzalez I think he's a little bit of a one-year wonder uh, because at Colorado we didn't see the type of on-ball production but he's he's unique because of his height and uh, his size and his long arms and he's really really young he he will not be 21 until June He's got that sub four four speed, so he's gets he's got some really good comparables when you look at his measurables and his ball production. Like guys like Marshawn Lattimore or Shaq Griffin, 
So if you think those guys have been good, which at times they have been, but again, that they're corners. So they've had not even just rough games, but sometimes rough seasons. So uh, I get what you're saying. If the value, I would take him in the first round. Um, I, I do think it's kind of odd that uh, some like a team like Detroit, which took Akuda at what third overall, and then yep. just recently trades him for a fifth round pick because he just got sapped by the injuries. Um, would then turn around and take a Gonzalez with the sixth overall pick. To me, that kind of doesn't make a ton of sense. But I think there will be a team in the top 10 that goes and takes Christian Gonzalez. Uh, I don't think he's as good of a player coming out as Lattimore was. Um, or even like, um, you know, obviously not like Jalen Ramsey, which was a, a guy who went early in the draft. But uh, I do like Gonzalez behind him. My cornerback too might surprise you guys because I, I I think it's a very good cornerback class, but I don't think there's like five first round corners. I think the next tier of corners, you could say late first round, early second round. I like Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi state. I know he came in weighing 166 pounds, but he is uh, an incredible athlete. He ran a four, three, five, um, I, I do think he could put on weight because he's a tall guy at six one, um, and he's young. He's he's gonna he's twenty two. So I think about you know when you're when you're twenty two, you can be skinny, and then you know three four years later, you can really bulk up if you're getting the right program. And uh, there's nobody in the class that had better production than this guy. Fourteen career interceptions, six career pick sixes. And you can't really watch SEC quarterback tape without seeing Emmanuel Forbes making plays against that quarterback. Uh, famously, Levis, who, you know, got picked off on a wide receiver screen, and Forbes just absolutely read his eyes, jumped the route, and and took it in for a pick six. Six that's career. Shocking. That's that's very <laughs> shocking. <laughs> but six six career pick sixes. I mean, I you. <laughs> and one of the things I I think that resonates with me when looking at defensive backs is the great Bill Belichick. One of the things he looks for historically in cornerbacks and defensive backs in general is taking the last two years of a, of a defensive backs career and combining pass breakups with interceptions. And he likes to look for the guys with the most combined pass breakups and interceptions. And Forbes is, is tops in the class when it comes to that. And uh, I think he's going to be a really uh, excellent player. He's probably going to go late first round at this point because I think other people are starting to. I think team NFL teams. I think really like him. You, you're seeing, um, I think him linked to Minnesota, Cincinnati teams like that. So I think he's going to go late first round. And um, my third corner because I'm stubborn and I won't quit him is Keely Ringo from Georgia. I know he looked shaky at times this season, but I think when you really get down to it. It's like I was talking about a few minutes ago. He, there were just some games where he, he had rough games. And I think teams are worried about his change of direction, but he was fast as advertised, uh, ran a four, three, six. He's the biggest corner in the class, six, two, two Oh seven. And I think you can, uh, you know, I don't want to compare him to Jalen Ramsey cause that doesn't really work, but I think you can live with him at corner and some teams might want to move him to safety. And I don't think it's a great safety class. So it'd be interesting to see if somebody has that in mind. But Ringo is a player. I think he got a little bit of a bad rap this year. 
but he's certainly been part of a very dominant defense. And I think he compares favorably to former Baltimore Raven, Jimmy Smith. And so he's a player that's not going to be, uh, not going to be appealing to every NFL team, but I think he's still appealing to a number of schemes. I think he's going to fit and and be a good player. I think he's, you know, one of the things we see in these, and, and Rob, you've, you're your draft junkie. So sometimes these really highly touted guys kind of, I don't want to say sleepwalk through their, their last year, but they kind of have their eyes looking ahead. Oh yeah. And we saw it with Ramsey. That was one of the things we saw it with Ramsey. Jamar Chase didn't even play the year before he went pro. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba that just, you know, Michael he said, Look, yeah. my, you know, my ham, hamstrings no good. I don't want to get re-injured and risk the draft. So guys look ahead I think that's maybe a little bit what happened with Ringo. And we've seen it work out for guys at the pro level. I think we don't want to read too much into it. Yeah, me and Stu actually have a bet going about Ringo because I said he'd be drafted in the first round, and Stu said I wasn't saying, so we were arguing <laughs> about that. So I, I, think, I think he's Stu's, going in the first round too. I think Stu might be right that he goes, but it'll be early second round. I think there's no way that somebody's going to look at a guy 6'2", almost 210, who runs a 4'3", and, um, you know, he did have some on-ball production a couple of years ago. And we saw him, he sealed the deal in the national championship game two years ago. Everybody seemed to erase that from their mind. But he's a he's still a good player. I think NFL teams are probably going to be feeling safer with other guys. And that's why he maybe slips. But somebody's going to luck out with him early in the second round. I, I tell you, Deontay Banks is a guy I really love, too. He's my fourth. He's my fourth corner. <laughs> yeah, I, I like him a lot. I, I think there's a chance he goes late one, early two. I mean, I he's, he's he seems to be getting a lot of buzz himself. So, yeah, and yeah. I have Witherspoon as as my corner five too. So, um, those guys all have really good comparisons when you look at their um, and they they most of them have really good production when it comes to pass breakups and um, interceptions combined. So I like those guys. Um, I'll give you a name for a slot corner. And that's going to be like third round, but that's Travis Hodges Tomlinson from uh, TCU. I really love the way that guy plays. He uh, reminds me of Avante Maddox, guy you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, really productive. I think he won the Thorpe Award. Uh, really good player. He's not going to play outside. He's, t- he's tiny. He's like 5'8", but um, he's going to be a, one of the top slot guys coming out of this draft. It's funny here. One of his pro comps is uh... – Nikhil Roby Coleman. So there you okay. go. That's, I mean, that he was a good slot corner for a right. while. So, and value that's, it, that's his comp. Stu talking about position value. If you can get a guy like that in the third round, we know nickel corner, slot corner is kind of a de facto starting position for a lot of teams these days. It's a good value. Yeah. I mean, you want to take a corner in the third round by all means, slot corner, filling in gaps. Uh, last question as we wrap up here, Justin. You mentioned Emmanuel Forbes. That's a guy that I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily uh, see in their mock draft, per se. You mentioned your thoughts on Keely Ringo. Is there a guy outside of those two um, that you mentioned that you have a first-round grade on that you think will get drafted in the first round that is a guy that we're, we're not paying attention to because they're second round or third round in mocks or something. Who's going to be that Cole Strange that uh, in last year's draft that just picked out of nowhere, don't know him, or shocked 
Uh, is there a guy like that? I love that question. Um, it's tough to say that. Because I've, I've seen some people, people are getting really creative with their mock drafts lately. So we're seeing more and more names. It's uh, There's only 31 picks for the mock this year. But we, we've probably seen about 55 names in, that, in those mocks. Uh, so that's it's a little tricky. Um, receivers are wild cards. So if somebody falls in love with a receiver, you might see a name. But we've we've seen probably five or six receivers mocked in the first round throughout the year, even though I think there's only going to be maybe two picked. So I'll give you um, a name that we were seeing in some early mocks. And now we're not seeing as much, but I still think, to me, he's the best linebacker prospect in the draft, and that's uh, Drew Sanders, the linebacker from Arkansas. So yes. I don't know if that's a hot if that's a hot enough take, but he was a player. We, when uh, Seth and I did our mock draft, our first one of the year back in October, I mocked Drew Sanders very early to the Patriots because we were doing like a top ten mock. And I was, you know, kind of being half serious, but I said, this looks like a Patriot guy. He moves up, they move him all around. He can pass rush. He can play off the ball and he get, just gives you a lot of versatility. He's a great athlete. And so he played, he was a pass rusher at Alabama, comes to Arkansas. They move him off the ball to middle linebacker, but he still does a lot of rushing the passer there. So productive. He can cover, he can run, um, and he's got a range of comps that gives you both pass rushers and linebackers, off the ball linebackers. So um, Randy Gregory is a physical comp that works for him from the pass rush standpoint. And, and he does have an array of pass rush moves. He's not just a guy who just relies purely on athleticism. He knows how to he, – he's been coached up. He knows how to get to the quarterback. And then if you want a linebacker comp, uh, Devondre Campbell – who's now, I think, with his third team, but he's earned a lot of money playing in the NFL. I believe he was a late-day two-pick or mid-to-late-day two-pick. Out of Minnesota, correct? Yeah, and um, he played for uh, – I know he plays for the the Packers right now. I think he started with the Falcons, played for the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, so he's made a lot of money, and he's uh, been a player that's attracted a lot of attention when he's hit free agency, so – uh, Drew Sanders, a guy I really like. He's, to me, the top linebacker prospect in this class because of all the things he can do well. And, yeah, and originally he was at Alabama, so that tells yeah. you right there. I mean, the talent that he – Saban and seen it. He's seen something in him that he liked. Uh, yeah, I he, absolutely love him. He's one of my gems. Yeah, this, this is draft. a pro Drew Sanders show. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, I'm going to spit off three rapid-fire questions. I could go all night long. Okay. Um, Lucas Van Ness. Do you have Van Ness as a top 15 player? I love Van Ness. I, I think he could be – this will probably get me banned off draft Twitter, but if he adds if he adds a little weight to him and he gets just a little bit better, I, I, I think he has J.J. Watt comps. I, I really like Van Ness's upside. I like Van Ness a lot. I do think he's a top 15 player in the draft, um, but he's, he's kind of um, – you know what else I love about him? He looks like an 80s movie villain. <laughs> like a in like an 80s ski yeah. movie he or, should have been like, in the terminator yeah, yeah he could have been in you know the dojo and karate kid <laughs> yeah. you know he he looks like one of those guys um you know one of the socias and the outsiders <laughs> he uh <laughs> i like him a lot he's 6'5 272 he's got long arms um he's i i don't know what i was doing why they didn't start him it just seems like stubbornness on their part but 
there's some guys that big running a four five eight that's something the one thing I, i'll say is i think i agree with people that say he needs to kind of learn pass rush moves because he relies heavily on that bull rush and we saw the bench the bench press kind of indicates that he might need to get stronger in his upper body but he has strong lower body strength i don't think is a question um guy he reminded me a, a lot of both from a metric standpoint and even on tape is ziggy ansa and that was a player coming out of uh, BYU who was considered raw, but who learned how to rush the passer as a pro. And the good thing about Van Ness is he's coming out a couple of years younger. Ziggy was like 24 when he came out. And Van Ness is uh, only 21 or 22, I think. Yeah, he'll be 22 in July. So, um, yeah, th there's too much athletic upside in this class. And like Stu's saying, th this is a defensive lineman. This is a, a guy who can play end. You can probably kick him inside for some snaps if you need to, but I think that's kind of not going to be his best role. But he's that kind of player that his position value and his athleticism, the way you can project that. And he was productive, even though he didn't start. So I think that's a, a player I would definitely take in the top 15 in this class. And I think somebody's going to. And you made a great point before, too. You know, even with Jalen Carter, th these guys need time to develop a little bit in the NFL. You know, you get them into a rotation. Like when we had Hargrave, Hargrave in Pittsburgh took him a few years and then he got a hold of it. Even Fletcher Cox took him a few years. Like a Brandon Graham took him a few years. You know, it right. takes these guys a little while to get into the transition. You know, you look I mean, at N'Kobe Dean, who the Eagles got in the third round. He barely played a snap on defense. And now he's going to step in and start because they let TJ Edwards go in free agency. So you, you don't have, there's, you don't have to have instant results. That's what we want as fans, but you don't have to have it. So Van Ness is a player. I hope he gets a, a nice, I hope he gets a little time to, to pick up steam, but I think he's going to be a really good player early on. I'm with you. Bijan Robinson worth the top 10 pick. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, it's not that I don't like him. I actually like him a lot. It's just that I, I feel like he – I don't know why he's worth a top 10 pick now when uh, people argued vehemently that that guys I th thought were a little bit better, like Saquon Barkley and um, Jonathan Taylor, notably, were uh, not rated as highly by draft next. Now, Barkley, ultimately, he goes number two overall, and we could, you know, we could argue positional value on that. Um, I thought he was a, a top, you know, five player in that class. Um, but I thought Jonathan Taylor was too. And he ends up going 41 uh, behind two other running backs. Remember Clyde Edwards Hilaire inexplicably goes before him to the Chiefs. The Chiefs would can you imagine the Chiefs with Jonathan Taylor? Well, uh, I think I think too that that speaks to we've had this conversation, Rob, but uh, Edwards Hilaire kind of fit what Andy Reid that offense a little bit more than what Jonathan Taylor would know I think he thought that he did because I think there were questions about Taylor as a pass catcher but he's caught uh -huh. plenty of passes in Indy oh yeah and, uh, for sure. done very well um but also DeAndre Swift went ahead of Taylor that year uh -huh. so um Bijan I think is a really good player um but I do I, you know he might be he's probably going to be a first rounder and I have a first round grade on him but top 10 um I just think he's 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 very good. I just don't think he's as good as the running backs have gone in the top 10. But I, I've compared him to another first-round running back 
who has had had a pretty good career. I think he's kind of winding down uh, his career now, but it, it, Melvin Gordon. Yeah. So I think he's a good player, just not not otherworldly like some people are saying. Yeah, I mean that's it's such an interesting debate with him. I mean, um, since he does Jaylen a great Rager, job, I'm skeptical of any Big Ten twelve player, but I mean, you know, <laughs> he makes phenomenal plays. He does, he does a does great make- job, like contorting his body, like making sure he doesn't get hit hard. He he doesn't ever take a big hit. I remember his freshman year, he got he almost got folded in half on a hit. You thought this guy's season's over, and he he's so flexible. He came back in a couple plays later. Um, but he's not doesn't have that burner speed. He's four 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 seven, which is good. That's uh, Ezekiel Elliott ran a four four seven coming out and went fourth overall. So it's not that I I don't think Robinson is a top ten player in this class, but I do think there's still a possibility he go in the top ten. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, and, and we'll close the show. The offensive tackles in this draft. I'm in love with Paris Johnson. I I honestly think he's the best tackle in this draft. Size, uh, I, I think the ability to get better. I think he's head and shoulders above. Uh, you know y- your thoughts here on the offensive tackles. I I think it's a good class for offensive tackle, and I agree with you. I think Paris Johnson's the number one offensive tackle. Um, I think we Seth and I talked about on our show all season long that Peter Skronsky was going to be a guard. And now you're starting to see that show up. So uh, Skronsky, most most scouts, so most pundits have moved Skronsky to guard and still think he's going to be very highly picked. I agree with that, but I just think he's got that kind of – he's kind of that Zach Martin type in this class. So I don't have him uh, listed as, a, as an offensive tackle, but I do think he's going to go in the first round. Uh, Paris Johnson, to me, was the top – offensive tackle and the player who's gaining the most steam right now is Darnell Wright from Tennessee. He was their right tackle and he's probably the most accomplished as far as the most starts. Uh, He has started for four years, four plus for Tennessee and a guy that big, 333 pounds around a 501 40. He's, he's almost remember Greg Robinson went number two overall. I mean, that's how athletic Darnell Wright is. Um, nobody's talking about him number two overall, but now finally people are putting him at the end of the first round. So I think he's going to be a first rounder. And uh, in between those two guys, I, I have uh, Georgia's Broderick Jones, who I think is also a first round caliber player. But he's um, the interesting thing about Jones and Paris Johnson. Both of those players only have really one full year starting at left tackle. And I typically like my offensive lineman to have to be three or four year starters. So that's where Skronsky maybe has an, a leg up on those guys just as an offensive line prospect. But um, both those guys, Paris Johnson played right guard uh, for a time before moving to left tackle this past year. And then um, Jones was actually not a starter with Georgia till the end of, of his, of what his sophomore year. And then was a full-time starter this year. So those two guys, interesting for their lack of experience uh so there might be some growing pains remember when andrew thomas came out of georgia everybody thought he was a bust year one now people think he's just fine and he's been he's been really solid for them yeah he really turned it around for the giants the giants in the beginning 
they, they were only playing them. They, they would mix them in. They would actually switch tackles mm. during the game. You rarely see, you know, you rarely see that. And, you know, even for the, the, he got so much better. But even this year, Neil for them, Neil, Neil got absolutely right. rolled in games, and he looked like he can't miss. Yeah, and and I think he's going to be fine too. And um, oh yeah, you know, it's just we're, we're Penny Sewell. Remember Penny Sewell when he first started playing for the Lions. People were down on him. They were crushing him. And by the even just by the end of his rookie year, people were back on his uh, good side. So um, these guys, just like the other players we talked about, some some of them you need to put them through growing pains. Not everybody is Joe Thomas coming out that's right. and just becoming no, an right. all pro early on. Lane Johnson had a game early on in his career. They played Kansas City on a Thursday night. He got absolutely smoked the entire game. And the media was in his face after the game. And how could you have a game like that? And mm-hmm. he said it was like a welcome to the NFL moment. of like, oh, man, this isn't, you know, but this is the truth. These guys need a little time. Yeah, Jack I, Conklin I, was another guy who got killed as a as a rookie. And, uh, oh, he needs tight end help and this and that. Well, Conklin's had two big money free agent contracts since then. So, you know, people – some yeah, some just, say the greatest tackle ever to come out of the Big Ten. Here we go. Some have said Here no. Some have go. said that. I I have I've read that on Twitter. Some have said that. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm never going to speak ill of Jack Conklin. He played uh, admirably for my uh, favorite NFL team, the Cleveland Browns. So, <laughs> Justin, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. I I could go all night. I could go for another three hours. Um, but go ahead and plug your show, man. Tell the people where they can find you and. Thanks again for coming on and doing this. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at AFC2NFC. That's the number two. And then um, you can listen to our show. It's on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere you find your podcast. It's called The Original Draft Breakdown Podcast. We just did episode uh, 186 because we go back all the way. We count the episodes we did for the old Draft Breakdown site, too. And then we also are on Patreon, so the original Draft Breakdown podcast on Patreon, where every week we do a bonus episode. For that, it's just two bucks a month, uh, less than a half a cup of coffee at Starbucks, and uh, four bucks a month if you want our full, like full scale everything that we do, which includes that's going to include my full rankings. Um, it includes some other uh, discussions, but I do I do those full rankings as like mini podcasts, so. Um, you know, and we, you know, we appreciate anybody who listens to our show, whether you pay for it or not. Um, we just invite all the feedback that, that we possibly can get. We love doing it. We love talking draft, my, uh, co-host Seth Cox and I, and, um, uh, we just really enjoy it. And thanks again for having me on. Cause I, I could talk about it all night too, Rob. <laughs> well, no, thank you, Justin. And, and please go check out Justin. He's doing the Lord's work out there. He's, He's got some Temple South Florida tape that he's got to go through still. Um, God bless you. Uh, Anyway, that'll do it for us. We'll be back soon. But until then, take care, brush your hair, and we'll see you after a while.